This episode of Let's Talk is brought to you in part by International Justice Mission. IJM is a global nonprofit working to end slavery and violence around the world. Across Southern Asia, IJM works to rescue people out of slavery and trafficking. In Latin America, they help children and women who have survived all kinds of violence and abuse. In short, IJM is a community of Christ followers fighting for the freedom and protection of the most vulnerable in our world. Over the last two decades, more than 50,000 individuals have been set free thanks to people like you who sent IJM to rescue them. But there are thousands of more, children, men, and women who are still waiting for rescue. You can make a difference in their lives by becoming a Freedom Partner. Visit IJM.org slash Let's Talk to join today. Your consistent support will impact the lives of individuals all over the world. Welcome back to the second episode of Let's Talk, a new podcast for women from the Gospel Coalition Podcast Network, where we seek to apply biblical wisdom to everyday life. I'm Melissa Kruger, Director of Women's Initiatives for TGC, and I'm here with my friends, Jasmine Holmes and Jackie Hill Perry. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you didn't catch our first episode on sharing your faith, I encourage you to go back and listen because during that time we told each other how we all came to faith in Christ and we got to share a little bit about our lives and what we do with our regular days. But today... We don't want to spend any time on that because we're going to jump into a big topic, mm-hmm. everybody's favorite topic mm-hmm. of discontentment. Um, and this is something I think that we all struggle with in life, um, at least everyone I know does yeah. on mm-hmm. a regular basis. I can remember years ago, I was at the park with my kids, and we loved this park. All the moms went to it because it had a fence around the playground. So the kids were relatively contained while we were at the park. One day, the older kids came up to all the moms and said, hey, there's a field just outside the park. Can we go run around on the field and just keep all the younger kids in the fence? And we as the moms looked at each other and we're like, that's not going to go well if we do that. So y'all just need to stay in the playground because beside the field was a big road. And so we didn't want to have to be stressed out worrying about it. Mm -hmm. Well, sure enough, I look up five minutes later and every one of those older kids is standing by the fence, staring at the field. Now behind them is a full playground with everything they could have been playing with sandbox, swing, slide, all the fun things they could have been doing. And they chose to stand at the fence and stare and just be mad mm. that they weren't in the you know playing in the field. Mm-hmm. And that is the image that comes to my mind every time I see myself discontent. Um, it's like I can't see the blessings of God and I just see what's missing. Mm. And the reality of our lives, because we live in a fallen world, is that we are all battling with the fact that life isn't always right. So let me ask y'all, what's the difference between just dealing with the fact that life isn't perfect and then sinful discontentment? What, 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 how do we know 
what's just an acceptance and this is a hard day, things didn't go as a planned, and then what's the difference between no, I'm really discontent mm-hmm. about something. I think one of the differences is the dwelling on it. Um, when I feel discontent, I can't move on from it. It's all I can really think about. It shapes my day. It shapes my thoughts. And every time I think about that topic, I think about how disappointed I am in how things are going in that particular way. Um, One of the biggest ways that people talk to me about discontentment throughout my life was definitely during my singleness. Like people would always say like, oh, you know, single, you have to be careful not to be discontent. You have to be careful not to be discontent. And I thought that when I got married, discontentment wouldn't be as much of a struggle for me. Um, but there's always a new reason <laughs> to feel Everyone unhappy who's with. Married is just happy. I know. Happy, happy. I know. I was just like, I even one time somebody was like, "Yeah, but marriage is hard sometimes. Like sometimes it's sanctification." And I was like, "But I'm really excited about that sanctification. <laughs> like I feel like it'll be better than this." <laughs> it's just kind of the the same as your field story, looking across and thinking, "Ah, that's so much better than what I have." Um, so yeah, not being able to move past it is, I don't think that's the defining characteristic, but it's definitely something I've noticed. I, I think one uh, way to see the distinction is like, is how you're thinking about reality bringing you peace, joy, or is it making you super like pessimistic? Um, because I think discontentment can do that where it's, yes, this is my reality. I am in a home with five children and we have two bedrooms. Um, this sucks. This is terrible. Nothing's ever going to get better, better. I can't believe this is happening to you. Like when it begins to go down those lines mm-hmm. versus, yes, we have this many children in, in this home, but glory be to God, I have a home at all. Um, I, I just, I guess the approach to how you see your thoughts and what it even does to your emotional and mental health, uh, is a good sign. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a really good point because mm-hmm. there are hard things in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, how do we hold what is really sad and that we mourn and that we are struggling in different parts of life because we're not in heaven. Yeah. You know, we're not in the place where all of our desires are met and fulfilled. And I find that so hard. How do I not just live a fake life mm-hmm. where I'm Pollyanna, you know, perfect right. over here. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's all good. Mm-hmm. And it's not, yeah. it's really not. But then there's some line where it crosses over into I'm sour. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of, not only am I discontent, I'm making everyone around me pretty miserable. They're Mm -hmm. discontent with this friendship. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I need a better friend. (laughs) I've I've been that friend, unfortunately. Um, I think also taking it to God versus just kind of stewing in it and wallowing in it. And sometimes I don't really want to pray and I don't want to, I don't really want to change. I just want to be upset and just feel Can I ask bad. more questions? Like dig into that. Like yeah. why don't you want to pray? Well, I'll just be like, I just am so, I just don't, I'm just not feeling this. I don't like it. And if God cared about me, he'd change it mm. without me asking. Mm-hmm. Probably. It's just the devil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds just, about right. Yeah. It's just, it's just spiritual warfare. But you know what I mean? Like just that, like you get paralyzed mm. in whatever feeling or whatever state that you're in and praying is moving forward. It's an action. It's an action. Absolutely. And so when you're just feeling that inactive, just kind of like throw your hands up and not only is 
my life not what I want it to be, but it not being what it wants, what I want it to be gives me license to feel sorry for myself or to take it out on other people or to fill in the blank. I'm just going to be here. Like, I'm just going to stay here. Um, is how discontentment often plays out for me or has in the past. And I, I, I think that's part of why when God, because I think discontentment is kind of wrapped up in stress and anxiety and worry. Uh, because I think a lot of times we are discontent around, again, real things, you know, my bills, my home, my uh, health. You know, you, you have people that just want to be healthy, just don't want to have to go to the doctor all the time. That's fair. Um, but I think that might be why God always connects our giving our anxieties and our worries to him and in the motivation being that he cares for us. You know, like, I think it's hard to give him something if we don't believe he cares at all mm -hmm. anyway, you know, because mm -hmm. maybe we look at our life or the life stage that we're in and we think that this is somehow a sign that God isn't as good as he says that he is um, because my life isn't as good as I would prefer it to be when that's not the truth. I don't think we, we judge God's ba God based on our circumstances, but we judge our circumstances based on who God has revealed himself to be in his son. Yeah, I think that's the biggest root issue for me is I start judging God and saying, prove to me that you're good. Mm -hmm. And really... What a shocking, sorrowful thing I'm doing because I'm basically saying, yeah, I know you sent your son to die on a cross for my son who was holy and perfect and did nothing wrong. And he died this terrible death, but I still am not convinced you love me mm. because my minivan doesn't have sliding doors yeah. or whatever stupid thing. I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah. Love, yeah. I mean, I know our things seem bigger than that. But in the reality, it's like he says, I gave my son for you. Can you trust me with the others? Yeah. And, and it's really a trust issue. Yeah. I think at some level, all of our discontent is, re is really rooted in unbelief mm. at yeah, some way. Yeah, I agree. Unbelief that God might not really be good to me. Yeah. I just had like a big, like, holly of praise break dance moment in my head when you said giving... We're told to cast our cares upon God because he cares for us. And I think so often, I know I doubt that care. And so that's why the burden casting is not happening. And I don't, maybe I don't trust other people, like other people in the faith too. Like even my husband, I'll be like, oh no, it'll burden him if I share this. Or oh no, it'll, um, I don't know, just fill in the blank. And you think of whatever reason not yeah. to trust God's care for us and not to trust the care of people who he's put in our lives to help ease those oh, that's good. burdens. Um, yeah, I'm like, my brain is kind of blown right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's so true. So it's like, you're basically saying like community, I guess, can assist us in growing in contentment, mm -hmm. especially considering the fact that if we're discontent about certain circumstances that can be fixed yeah. potentially. Yeah. Okay. Totally. Or just telling people how you feel. I remember when I had my first miscarriage, it was really hard for me to be around women who were pregnant. Um, and it was so hard for me to share that because I felt like that made me a bad person mm. and I couldn't talk about it. I couldn't, I couldn't verbalize it. And two things. One thing was a friend of mine who was pregnant. Her son would have been the same age as mine now, which is a really sweet thing, actually. Um, but she was like, hey, if I talk to you about my pregnancy, is that hard for you? Or 
can I still talk to you about that? Because I'm a big birth fanatic, always have been. And so she was like, I have questions or I have thoughts, but I want to be aware of you and I want to be mindful of you. That was really helpful for me and something like a check to myself to be mindful of other people and the struggles that they might be having. But then on the flip side, I have a friend who recently had a loss and she came to me and she told me the exact same feeling that I was too afraid to confess to someone and gave me the opportunity to speak truth into her life. Whereas if she would have not trusted my care for her, if she had not trusted God's care for her in putting somebody who'd walked that road before in her life, then she could have just kind of wallowed in it and felt completely alone unnecessarily. Um, So that's just one example of, I guess, how I've seen that caring piece um, of battling contentment carried out. That's good. We really do need each other in it. And one, one thing I always find complicated is different commands in scripture. So at one point it says in Thessalonians, rejoice always, yeah. you know, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. But then on the other hand, it says rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn yeah. and that there's a time for mourning. So how do we hold grief and sadness and joy and rejoicing, how do we let those two things walk together but not be in opposition to each other? Is that possible? What does it look like to be able to mourn, to be a mourning person and a rejoicing person, all wrapped up in one? I think that's the paradox Paul talks about. You know, he's like sorrowful, yet rejoicing, poor, yet making yeah. many rich. Yeah. The, the Christian life isn't just all you know, sunshine and puppies. Mm. Yeah. And so how do these two things coexist and not be in opposition to one another? I might be biblically off in this. Please cor- correct me if I am, Mrs. Kruger. Um, but I think in Philippians where Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, um, how, you know, he's not really applying that to, I can, you know, get a, a degree in X, Y, and Z, but rather I can learn to be abased and I can learn to be abound because of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so I guess that there is a way in which Jesus is able to empower me to live out this paradox, to be like him, who is the son of the living God, who is, is, is a man of great suffering, yet he endures for the joy set before him Mm -hmm. and how there's this strange partnership going on where he's not yeah, his, 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 I don't know. I'm just trying to think his reality doesn't keep him still or stagnant, but he continues mm-hmm. to move forward because mm-hmm. he has a greater reward ahead of him. And so, I don't know, maybe looking to Jesus and figuring out how he did it. Yeah. It makes me think about different seasons too. Like some seasons are full of rejoicing and some are full of mourning. I always think about whenever Jesus came to raise Lazarus from mm-hmm. the dead he knew he was going to raise him from the dead. Yeah. But he still was in that moment with his sisters who were sad, who were grieving. And even though the miracle was going to happen, and even though ultimately he would raise Lazarus from the dead in the last day and Lazarus would never die again, he was still able to inhabit that moment before the resurrection, which always is encouraging for me in different times of grief, because I think we can confuse grief with discontentment or sadness with discontentment. That's good. Um, and they're not the same thing. I think if you're not, I think discontentment is kind of that, um, like we've said, not going to God with it and, and wallowing in it versus grief, which is an honest assessment of 
where you are and how you're feeling that doesn't doubt who God is. That's a, that's a tweet. You should tweet her (laughs) that exact quote, tweet that, put it on your, uh, coffee table, your coffee mug with your succulent plant. You know, that's what Christians love to do. Buy succulent plants and drink coffee. We do like to and do that. And take a picture of it. We yep. do like to do with that. With one highlight. Before we sip the coffee, we yep. have to take Ain't the picture. Ain't red, not a verse. Nope. But you done prepared that picture for Instagram. I have a question for you. Um, I'm wondering, like, as you have, you've been a Christian for how long? Oh, you're going to age well, me. Uh, give us a vague. 30 years. Okay. My question is, as. I'm 31. So my, no. as long as I've been alive, you're like, where's God? You're like John the Baptist. Yeah. Oh in the womb. I when, got I you. Was, when I was born, you were born. Look at that. Um, <laughs> I'm wondering, like, as you've grown as a woman and grown as a Christian, have you seen discontentment change in relation to just you changing? Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. as you've grown older, how does it, does it look differently? Because I'm sure you didn't, you weren't discontent with the same things as a 22-year-old as you are now? Yeah, that's a good question. Thanks for aging me. No, you're wise. <laughs> wise. You're the wise Wisdom. woman. You, you know what I would say, actually? I think what's changed for me is my perspective on where the discontentment's coming from. Mm-hmm. So I used to think it was a problem of my circumstances. Mm-hmm. And I'd spend all this time thinking, well, if I could just find the husband, or if I could just, you know... At certain points, my husband was in school for a long time. So Mm. as if we could just have one job, Mm -hmm. (laughs) then Mm. we'd be content. Mm -hmm. Um, Or whatever it was, maybe the next season, um, if we could just get pregnant and have a baby or whatever it might be, I thought then I'd be content. Whereas now I would say what's shifted is I recognize I have a heart problem, not Mm. a circumstance problem. Mm -hmm. And so that changes how I fight the battle. Um, I realize... I'm going to be fighting this battle with discontentment my whole life, but I fight it differently. I don't just try to get my circumstances sorted. I go to God Mm -hmm. and say, give me a better picture of Jesus because I recognize I'm always doubting his love for me. Mm -hmm. That's what ultimately comes down Mm -hmm. to is when I'm really sinfully discontent, not when I'm mourning or grieving what's genuinely sad, like a loss, a death. That's, That's right for us to mourn. Um, I love what you were saying, Jasmine. We don't live an unemotional Christian mm-hmm. life. We're just not stoics. Yeah. Um, Jesus, you know, he got angry mm-hmm. at the temple mm-hmm. changers, and he cried when Lazarus died. He had real human emotions, and I think we actually miss out on reflecting him to others mm. if we try to be stoic. But what I recognize is what I want is such a deep love for God to be the source of my joy. Yeah. So where I'm looking for the source has changed. Yeah. And to me, my discontentment is more of a signpost that I'm looking for life here. Mm. And it, rather than even feeling all the failure of it, I'm like, it's kind of like hunger pains. Mm-hmm. You know, when you feel a hunger pain, you say, oh, I need to eat. And so when I see discontentment, I'm like, I need to go to Jesus. Come on here. Something's okay. wrong. Wow. Insert like tongue. Praise dance. Hallelujah. My God. Slap, clap, turn around. Flag and let me the, wave it. Let me dance fast up the aisle. Don't make me dance. <laughs> Y'all don't want to see me dance, but the way that this conversation is going. <laughs> that was worth somebody's <laughs> dance. I don't know whose. No, that was fire. It made me think of like Hannah in hmm. First Samuel. 
and how, you know, she didn't have children. And then you got this lady in the house with her that's mm-hmm. vexing her spirit all the mm-hmm. time. You know, I got all these kids and you don't. And um, a husband who's like, aren't I worth 10 sons Yeah, to like, you? why are you tripping? <laughs> Chill out. Um, but how she goes to the temple, you know, and it says that she cried out to the point that the priest thought she was drunk. Mm-hmm. You know, and to me, that tells me that she was going to God with this this thing. I want a child. I don't have a child. I'm really irritated and really vexed. But here is my pain. Here are my tears. Can you change it? Um, and I think it's significant that she tells God that if that if he gives her a son, she'll give him back. And I think part of the issue is if God does change the circumstance, if God does give us what it is that we're desiring, will we give it back to him? Will we use it for the reason that it was given to us in the first place, which Mm -hmm. is to be a means of worship? Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. That story always encourages me on what I should be doing. Yeah, there's so many good images because a different character I always think of as Rachel and her sister Leah. And they're in this battle of having children. Well, not really a battle because Leah's the only one having children. Mm-hmm. And Rachel is so desperate for a child. And so, you know, she finally has Joseph. And I don't know if, if y'all know this, I looked at my footnote one time and I was like, what is, you know, they always tell you what the Hebrew word means. And so Joseph, rather than means God has finally answered my prayer and I'm joyful and content, Joseph means may mm. he add. And I think the cry of discontentment is may he add mm. just a little more. Cause she's looking at her sister and her sister's over there with six children. And so she only has one son and her sister has six. Yeah. And so let me ask this question. How do you think envy or kind of looking over the fence mm. at other people? How can that feed our discontentment when we're staring over? Huge. The fence? Cause it, you start to assume that God is being better to someone else than he is being to you. Um, and that's just not the truth. God is not, he doesn't play favorites. You know, he, he, he reigns on the just and the unjust. Mm-hmm. All good gifts come from the father of lights. Um, and so I, I, I think it fuels it because I, that's just how we are. We just compare mm-hmm. ourselves with other people. Um, I think what has been helpful for me in particular, honestly, is to just think about heaven. Um, because somebody is always going to have more than me. Somebody is always going to be smarter than me. Somebody is always going to be a better communicator. These are the things I compare myself to. Somebody's always going to, you know, have those kinds of things, which would make me discontent with the good things that God has given me. But in heaven, I think I'll see so clearly. Um, and I'll have all that I thought that I lacked, you know, I'll have a great body. Well, I don't know if it'll be skinny. I don't know how that works. Uh, I haven't read that in revelation, but you know, I'll have a glorified body. So the pain that could come from discontentment with your health mm-hmm. that'll be rectified uh whether it's you want a relationship with your mother that your friend has so you're jealous you're discontent with that mm-hmm. all relationships will hold be whole and healed like i think thinking about heaven kind of sobers me to be okay with what i lack now yeah, it's 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 a great point i like to think of it sometimes we live like the airports yeah. are home mm-hmm. like this is just a transition place yeah. but if we went to the airport and tried to make our home We'd be discontent all the time. We'd be like, I'm sleeping on the floor. It's just, you know, all these people are coming and going out of my life all yeah. the time. This is the airport. Mm-hmm. And we try to make it our homes. And we do pretty well. Yeah, we make it pretty comfortable. Mm. And we, we, but we forget home's coming. Yeah. And I, I think you're right. We're just not very heavenly minded. Yeah, if I'm going to compare my situation to anything, it needs to be beyond earth. And that, that might help me be more <laughs> content. I think that envy piece also 
has to do with how we esteem ourselves and mm. what we think we deserve sometimes. Um, we've been reading, and my church have been doing a study about the prophets this um, over the last couple months, and I got to teach about Habakkuk, and I was blown away with Habakkuk because the first time that I read the book, I was kind of like, what a spoiled brat. He thinks he's so much better (laughs) than all these other people and that God should not, just in case y'all haven't read Habakkuk in a while, because I hadn't read it in forever. Habakkuk is a prophet who is asking God why he's allowing so much iniquity to go on in the land. And God answers him and says, oh, I'm about to take care of that. But he says that he's going to take care of it with the Babylonians who are not very, holy and not, mean. yeah, they're not, they're not God's people. <laughs> meanies. And so Habakkuk's response is like, what do you mean you're going to take care of it with, with them? Like they're, they're not worthy to take, to take care of us. Like they don't deserve to be higher than us. Mm. And God answers back to him and they kind of go back and forth. And the first time I read it, I was like, man, what a brat. Like he asked God a question. God gave him an answer. So, you know, <laughs> sorry, you don't like the answer Habakkuk. But then uh, the more I started studying it, the more I was like, oh, that's me. Mm. That's me. That's me being like, oh God, I feel like, you know, if you really knew what justice was, you'd give me this. Mm. Or if you really knew who deserves what, then you'd give me this. Mm. And I grew a lot more understanding of him. Um, not enough to name one of my children after him because Habakkuk. <laughs> That'd be rough. You know, but as a prophet, learned a lot about discontent, learned a lot about trusting God from digging back into that book. And there's so many, there are other prophetic books where there's just that conversation with God and that pushing and pulling and tugging of trying to align their will to his um, which I think is a part of fighting discontentment, aligning our will for our life to what God's will is for our life. So lives. you're saying, because that's deep, that sometimes discontentment comes out of entitlement. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's interesting. I'm not, I won't say every time, because honestly, there's real, yeah. real things that don't have to do with what Some. we feel entitled to, but yeah. a lot of the time. Hmm. Yeah, we think we're owed something. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't even think I realized until life didn't start happening how I wanted it to happen. The first five years of our marriage, we moved five times and like to Arizona, to overseas. I mean, they were big moves, Mm -hmm. you know, and I didn't even know that I didn't want that life Mm. until I got that life. Yeah. And so I was having all of these arguments and, you know, it was funny. The arguments I was having were not with God. I put the argument on my husband. And so one thing I think is that our inner desires, when they're not met, James talks about this, you know, what happens when you Mm -hmm. don't get what you want, you quarrel and you fight. And so I think one of the places sometimes that we can see our discontentment is where are we getting it into it with the people we love the most? Mm. So for me, anytime something was hard in my life overseas, you know, like getting the groceries, I blamed him. Yeah. Because I didn't want to fight with God. You know, I wanted to be a good Christian. And, you know, it couldn't be God's fault that my life was it's hard. It's just this man you sent me. Sound, <laughs> you, you was Adam. <laughs> yes. This woman you gave me. It's his fault. Yeah. It's his fault. And I do think we play the blame game, even with the people we love the most sometimes. It's your fault because you're not living up to my expectation or you've taken me to this place. And so now I feel the freedom 
to blame you. Mm. I don't know if y'all have had that. Have you had situations where you put the blame on someone else? Yes. And then I kind of made myself more miserable, right? Because then I'm quarreling and bickering with my husband. Yes. So discontentment often breeds more discontentment, right? So when we find ourselves kind of in that pit, you know, of just circling in our minds, why my life is harder than everybody else's, why it's somebody else's fault that I'm upset. How do we get out of that mindset? How do we turn to Christ in a new way and really have that mixture of rejoicing and mourning? Yeah. Not, not to just put off the mourning, but how, how can we refocus our mind and kind of choose contentment? Mm. I, one thing I love that Paul says is that it's learned. So I find that really hopeful. Mm. It didn't just come with the Holy Spirit. He says, I've learned the secret of contentment and all things. So how do we learn that secret? I I think what you do with your mind is important. You know, I think you have to notice those thoughts and take them captive and replace them with things that are worthy of praise. And so one practical thing might be write a list of all the good things that you have in your life. All of them have a home. I have, I can talk, I can hear, I can see, I can taste, I have food, I, I can cook, I have friends, I have a church I can go to. I don't have, like, there's so many things worthy of praise that I think it would choke out the things that we're so, uh, that we're meditating on that are stealing the joy and the peace that we should be having. So yeah, write down all the good stuff. That's good. And praise God for it. That's really good. Yeah. Remembering that the whole of the Christian life is repentance and belief. Mm-hmm. That's how we become Christian and that's how God continues to sanctify us in our Christianity. So we're painting of discontentment where we find it and working to actively believe that God is who he says he is. And he has for us what he says he has for us. Amen. That's, I think, too, I love Ephesians 1. And I think just sometimes going through that passage and remember remembering all the ways we've been blessed. Mm-hmm. God, the Father's love through mm-hmm. the Son's work by the Holy Spirit's power in our life has given us these eternal gifts. Yeah. You know, cause most of the stuff I'm discontent about is earthly. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's that heavenly looking, you know, and reminding ourselves mm-hmm. of what God has done. Mm. And I think we just often don't want to do that. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. You know, but it really is life giving. Mm-hmm. It's going to change everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Okay, so every week on Let's Talk, we're going to talk about some of our favorite things. So today, um, since we've been talking about discontentment, let's talk about what's your favorite way to relax? What, what's your happy place? What do you like to do to relax? Uh, I go to plant nurseries and walk around and buy too many houseplants. This is my first year of my life that I've ever had an actual hobby. So my normal hobbies are reading and writing, but writing is also in my work. And I have to read to be a teacher. And so now I have plants as a hobby, and I love it. I feel like you upload plants a lot. I do. They're like your children. They are. <laughs> like as many pictures of my children who are adorable. Uh-huh. I have. Do you name your plants? Everybody. I do. Only my favorite ones. Really? Yeah. My, my, my mama, she's a plant person, uh, and she lives with me now, so my home is very green. Uh, but she she names them all and she genders them. Oh yeah, I do that. I too. don't know how they're all women though, so I don't know what that means. Some mine are men, but do you get a feeling like this just a feel, just like I know, like I have this beautiful uh, Monstera Deliciosa, and his name is Atticus. 
Okay. But then I have another kind of Monstera and Adansonii, and that one's name is Big Mama. <laughs> so, you know, you just... You pick and I you choose. pictures of these plants. I, you, my Instagram is overflowing like, with them. They're like it your is. nice, quiet children, right? They are. You know, it's I keep like them in my kitchen obey. in the corner, and they just sit in the corner. Yeah, that's that's good. Great. I don't like plants. I have fake ones <laughs> from like Target and stuff. Uh, I, I think right now uh, a hobby of mine, honestly, is to watch uh, Netflix. Um, just find a, a documentary mm-hmm. or some type of cooking competition and just watch it. It just helps me to, you know, I, my brain is working because I'm still watching something informative because I just like to learn stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's not, I don't feel like I have to do anything. I, could that go far? Sure, whatever. But, you know, I like I Netflix. I get your list of documentaries. Oh, I got a lot of them. Ooh, that's good. I love documentaries. Me too. Oh, they're amazing. My favorite way, I'm so boring, is a book. You know, I just love to read and sit. Christian. Well, not Christian books. Oh, well, come on. (laughs) Explain. I just like to, I love to read, you know, nonfiction, historical, you know, Mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. books that teach you about life. I find that, I find people just fascinating. Mm Yeah, I basically think biographies are like People magazine for dead people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are. You know, and it's, yes. But it's the full story. And well, so I love to read about like all the Russian czars and all. I mean, I, they're fascinating. They were a the, mess. What's the last one you read? The last biography? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was actually about this woman. She was a spy in World War II. Okay. And they dropped her in to France um, during World War II. And I had no idea there were these female spies. She oh, was wow. A, she was a British spy and lived... In France, and I can't remember her name. That's so bad. But it was it was a fascinating book. It's just like you learn interesting, yeah. about things that you have no idea ha- that happened. Like actually and, happened. Yeah, and she was taken by the Nazis, and she was tortured, and she lived, and all this stuff. So wow, it's a pretty amazing. She story. was a G. That is yeah. so cool. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's fascinating. So I actually like to read everything that has nothing to do with my job. Yes. Yeah, you know, it's just Absolutely. a break. Yeah, and then I love historical fiction. I love fiction, yeah. all fiction. Yes. Y'all are fun. Y'all got fun hobbies: plants and biographies. <laughs> we can take a picture of our books. Yes, <laughs> and then we'll take a picture of you watching. Netflix. Yeah, Top Chef, all of that is my thing. Well, thanks for this conversation. Thanks for being with us and listening um, to Let's Talk today. On our next episode, we're going to be talking about overcoming church hurt. So we're going to go from discontentment to church hurt. You can subscribe to Let's Talk through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to get your podcast. Check out other shows from the Gospel Coalition Podcast Network at tgc.org backslash podcast. The Gospel Coalition connects Christians to resources that apply the truth and beauty of the gospel to all of life.